Now we have spoken of the destruction of the harlot, the false church. That destruction occurs by the kings, the kings she intimidated, tricked, deceived, lied to, and exploited. They get tired of her and they overthrow her, destroying every facet of her influence upon them. This is the beginning of destructions upon the earth. We moved on to talking about the destruction of the beast who gave his power, his throne, uh, uh, who, who is the recipient of the power, throne, and great authority of the dragon known as Satan. This is from Revelation 12. Um, as we discuss this fourth beast, the fourth kingdom that will arise on the earth, we see that the Lord revealed from heaven, this is Revelation 19 now, the Lord revealed from heaven begins to make war against this beast and we have seen that it is a war of ideas, a war of words so to speak. And again I'm pointing out that in today's culture with social media everybody has been empowered to have an opinion and most people think that their opinions are golden and I would say 99% of everything put out on social media is unmitigated garbage, useless, much of it simply harmful and yet there are billions of texts and postings on websites and and various platforms of social media, billions of postings every day. If you can't see that this is a war of words, and we talked about uh, you know, words that are used to marginalize people who disagree with these social media types. Um, you know, everybody has an opinion and if you don't agree you're a hater. Uh, nobody, and tr- truly I will have to say, they do not consent to being scrutinized. For them communication is one way, they tell you. They don't think anything of polluting these platforms with this insidious speech but but if you dare oppose them they have an array of labels ready for you and of course all they need to do is tag you with a label and in their minds and in the minds of their followers or maybe some anyway, that's who you are. Now the disdain for truth today has reached just below the level of people being willing to kill you just because you disagree. Now I'll grant you that the manner of certain people's disagreements would qualify them to be considered as trolls because they are bullying, they're thoughtless, all of that. But that's an easy excuse you see to label everybody who disagrees as 
some kind of a bully or, or a hater or whatever, whatever that is. We are already, my point is we are already at war. It's a war of words. I mean, what are they saying when they call it a culture war? What are the tensions involved in that which has been labeled cancel culture? And the interesting thing is, it's just a question of whose culture you don't like and your desire to cancel it. So there's no no standard. And if you think you're going to hold people to standards, you're misinformed as to the nature of this conflict. These are conflicts that have been generated out of human nature, deceived human nature, and for them it has all of the power and gravitas of truth. This, I'm telling you, this is how war is being waged against the saints. It's what's happening now. The beast, because it's systemic, one of its systems is this information system, and it uses it to keep people at bay. It's not just that it has systems, it's what is being fed through these pipelines of these systems. The systems themselves are little more than carriers of information. What is being carried through these pipelines is what's so toxic. Even the most jaded of social commentators today will recognize that as nations we are divided beyond repair. Some wistfully think of yesteryear when you needed to somehow be accredited to have a public platform and they lament the fact that no one needs to be accredited today. All you need is access to a platform and that's going to be afforded you for the taking. So no, if you're still holding on to the idea that if you are a correspondent, for example, for some news organization, that that's going to hold you to account, just look at the debacle presently with all the media talking heads routinely being shown to be scammers who don't even believe their own lies. Look, we should stop calling these things, we should start using euphemisms. Euphemistically we say, it, it is untrue. The thing that is untrue is a lie, and a person who perpetrates a lie is a liar. All liars have places in the lake of fire. That's what it says. Do I have an opinion to counteract that? No, the one who, the one who puts you in a lake of fire is the one who said it. And the lake of fire is for destruction. It, in principal part, it means 
you have no eternal relevance unless you change, unless you change. This day of salvation is still available, but verily I fear that the door is closing. And as the wicked remains wicked and as the righteous remains righteous. This warfare has been prophesied a long time ago. Here, this is from Daniel chapter 7 speaking about this beast that is being brought to judgment in Revelation 19. This is the end of the cycle that Daniel saw. He said, I was watching in the night visions, Daniel 7, uh, and he's talking about, his context is the little horn that was speaking blasphemously against the Most High. And he said, I was considering, verse 8, uh, Daniel 7, I was considering the horns and there was another horn, a little one, coming up among them before whom three of the first horns were plucked up by the roots. And there in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man and a mouth speaking blasphemous words. I was watching, thrones were set in place. The Ancient of Days, a reference to God, was seated, describes him. Um, and then he says, uh, Thousand thousands ministered to him, 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. And this is the time of judgment. The court was seated and the books were opened. This is not the last judgment. This is the judgment of the beast. This is not the great white throne judgment at the end of the age. So many things have been conflated by commentators whose accuracy uh, is is suspect because they simply conflate things. This reference here is not about the great white throne judgment. This reference is a judgment, yes, taking place in heaven but as opposed to taking place on the earth. But it's a judgment not of the nations but the judgment of the beast, this creature, this kingdom depicted as a creature of seven heads and ten horns. I watched then because of the sound of the pompous words or the blasphemous words which this horn was speaking and I watched till the beast was slain and given to the burning flame its body destroyed, given to the... And again, this is metaphorical as though this horrific beast, as a beast, not as a kingdom, would be slain in a conflict and its carcass burned up. But this is a kingdom. And one of the things that we see in Revelation 18 is how this great city which is part of this system, a false church is part of this system and it's referred to as Babylon the Great, the false church, the 
mother of harlots. It's burn. It's a burning city. Well, what is that? What does that mean? It's not an actual city. It's not the ancient city of Rome or the modern city of Rome. It's analogous to. It's not the ancient city of Babylon, uh, and some or, or presently someplace in Iraq. It's a reference to a system of exchange. Why? Because the merchants stood afar off and lamented when Babylon the Great fell. So it's an economic system that has the power to include or exclude. These are the maturations of the systems of the cosmos, the systems of the beast, and how they interplay upon the earth today. It's neither a purely metaphorical reference of good and evil in conflict, nor is it an actual beast that is being burned. The scriptures make it plain that in these times the deciphering of scripture is by men of understanding, people with the spirit of understanding. But where do you get the spirit of under- from where do you get the spirit of understanding? Fools say, religious fools, supposed prophets say, well, you do your research. No. It's one place the spirit of understanding comes from. It's a place that contains six other spirits to, for the total number of seven. They are the seven characteristics of the Spirit of God. The Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ is manifested as a spirit of prophecy. But it's not this silliness that's passed for prophecy for so long. It's understanding the times. One of the big deals that God has just accomplished is to sweep the board clean of the mercenary prophets. Prophets who prophesied falsehoods for money or for personal gain. God set them up and most of them didn't do it just once. Prophesy falsehoods, I mean. They prophesied at least twice and they're still set up to prophesy falsehoods again. (laughs) Are we even able to see anymore? You know, I have friends, people I one time even walked with, who are among those who prophesied falsehoods repeatedly, publicly, openly, Nobody calls them to repent. And even when it's obvious to them they ought to repent, they don't. What do they think the end will be? They're going to be discarded because they spoke 
out of their souls if they repent in this area their souls will be saved if they do not God will not use them now when I come to talking about the millennium I'll explain what happens to those who remain stubborn even after God has debunked them the millennium is the time for the finishing of that work because their flesh is so addicted to these falsehoods that there's no hope they will turn in this, in this life or before that time comes. Some will, but not the majority. The majority has, indicate, has given every indication that not only are they doubling down, but they're going to go down with the ship. Such deception can only be cured when the reality of what is true is no longer subject to person's opinions. So this judgment of the beast, it says, as for the rest of the beast, they had their dominion taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. So the beast is a kingdom that is systemic, seven heads, and rulership of these seven systems by those considered kings, and they rule the whole earth with the exception of the saints, and there's a war between the saints who have the names of their fathers written on their foreheads, which is to say that their minds have been renewed by the Spirit of Christ. That includes the spirit of understanding. It also includes the spirit of knowledge, counsel, wisdom, the fear of the Lord, lordship, and of course understanding. As for the rest, the rest would involve functionaries and people ruled over. Many of them, many of them are destroyed at the brightness of the Lord's coming, but many survive. And in the events leading up to the coming of the Lord, many will die by war, by disease, by famine, by pestilences, they'll bring about death on the earth, but not everyone will die. But here in this time at the return of the Lord, when judgment is coming upon this beast, the judgment begins in heaven with a juridical rendering of guilt and punishment directed toward the beast. Verse 13 says, I saw, I was watching in the night visions and behold, one like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven, he came to the Ancient of Days and they brought him near before him and no time to comment on, on those remarks. 
then to him was given dominion, glory, a kingdom that all people, nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is everlasting, is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom one that shall never be destroyed. So from the inception of the kingdom of heaven which was given to the Lord Jesus Christ upon his return to heaven 2,000 years ago, God invested him with that kingdom. That kingdom has continued to increase. So Daniel said, I was grieved in my spirit and visions by the visions that troubled me. And he said, I asked about the truth and the interpretation of these things, was told that the four great beasts are four kingdoms and with their kings will, and will arise from the earth, but the saints of the Most High will receive the kingdom of heaven, possess it forever and ever. Now, further instruction was given to him in the following. Let me just skip through because I've dealt with a lot of this before in previous broadcasts. Verse 23, now I wish to concentrate on this because it speaks of first the the juridical rendering of divine judgment against the beast and then the execution of that upon the beast at the time of the return of the Lord. So asking about the fourth beast, first, uh, and, and, and the beast that spoke pompous words, the horn that spoke pompous words. Verse 20 says, and ten horns were on his head, speaking of the beast, the other horn before which three others fell that spoke pompous words, appearing to be greater than others. It is my contention that this is the spirit of Antichrist, that horn that speaks blasphemous things against the Most High. Again here, don't think blasphemous things mean curse words. Blasphemous things mean things that are so horrifically untrue, lies, but they deceive multitudes of people. And that's what this creature, that's what this creation, this creation of Satan, the mouthpiece of Satan, the Antichrist, this is what he does. I was watching, verse 21, the same horn was making war against the saints and prevailing against them. Do not read in that prevailing against them, that he's killing people. No, read in that, that he's able to convince them that lies are the truth. Now, how quickly have we moved on the earth in the fashion or in the venue of lies, things that are strictly prohibited by Scripture, such as homosexuality. Um, We now have proliferation of the forms of that. 
have now been made legally acceptable and socially acceptable. And now they're invading all facets of society because it's not enough to have been given legal status. Now you must dominate. Society must be bent and shaped to its demands. Now, listen, we know that this is going to happen. What are we doing fighting against it? What are we doing expending energy, time, resources, fighting against something that the Word tells us is going to happen? The leaders are benefiting, the the Christian leaders are benefiting from this war by stirring up the people to come against this that the Bible says was going to happen. Stop. When you do not retain God in your knowledge, whatever you conceive is going to oppose God, but it won't seem that way to you and to all those who support you. If in in that context. It's a waste of time. It's a false, talk about a false flag. This is something we should not be doing. We should not be contending with these behaviors in the public sphere, in the judicial arenas, in politics. We should not be. Instead, we should be ruling ourselves, governing ourselves according to the standards of Christ. This is not the time of their judgment and we're not going to bring about their judgments. God did not entrust that to us. It's sin and God will bring every manner of sin into judgment at His appointed time. He He didn't... appoint us to this role. Enough of that. I was watching as this war of words, if you like, was being done by this horn against the saints. That's what I'm saying. There's a war of words against the saints. It's about the control of ideas. It's about the control of systems, the control of politics, control of these things, and we're not going to win. Until, I was watching, until this horn was making war prevailing, until the Ancient of Days came and judgment was given in favor of the saints of the Most High. That's when this issue is resolved. When heaven, not the Supreme Court of the United States, not the political leaders, not social media, when the Ancient of Days gives judgment in favor of the saints. And look, the fourth beast shall be a fourth kingdom on the earth which shall be different from all the other kingdoms. It will devour the whole earth. Now, did we read where it says it'll devour the whole earth? Yes. Is there a war? Yes. 
Will it win in this war? Absolutely. And the other combatant is the category called the saints. So in the middle ground, as between the world and the beast, the world's population and the beast, the saints will be on the other side of this. Some people will come out of the world's population at great risk to themselves and become part of the kingdom of God. Most, most, because lawlessness, this removal of the standards, this removal of restraint, this failure to keep God in their knowledge, because that will abound the love of most people for one another and for the truth will grow cold. Brother will even turn against brother in this war of words. This this beast will crush and devour the whole earth, trample it and break it to pieces. Uh, The ten kings are referred to again, the horn is referred to again, And this will happen, it says, for a designated period called time, times, and half a time. Then the saints, then the saints shall be given into his hand for that time, for time, times, and half a time. The court will be seated. And the and the power they shall take away the the seated heavenly court shall take away the dominion and and power and sphere and rule of this beast and will consume and destroy it forever. Then the kingdom and dominion and greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of God, the saints of the Most High. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and all dominions shall serve and obey him. Now that, you see, is the rule of the rod of iron. These fellows who are trying to tell us about seven systems to be taken back, They don't believe this. They may not have even seen this. Their way of proposing is to go after people they don't agree with. I don't agree with homosexuality. It's plainly spoken in the scriptures as one of the conditions of mankind who choose not to retain God in their knowledge. It's not the only one. But my job is not to rein it in or to tell you to organize to rein it in. No. We should treat people with whom we disagree. We should recognize that they have a right to choose. But choices, all choices have consequences. But we are not the arbiters of those consequences. People will believe what they believe and they'll practice what they practice. The standard is still the same. If the standard of behavior 
is determined by what is popular, then they are right. If the standard of behavior is an eternal standard, then it doesn't matter what they believe or choose to do. Now, anyone can repent, as long as it's the day of salvation. Anyone can repent. And we should not be in the business of sending anybody to hell, because that's not been given to us. We should be in the business of putting on display the love of God, which is patience, kindness, long-suffering, and so on, but never compromise. Now, nothing that the present church is doing can be in regards to homosexuals and others that they disagree with, nothing that the present church is doing can be considered love. Now, you don't have to fall into the foolishness of the statement, love is love. What do you mean? You're defining the thing by itself? Love is love? How does that advance the meaning of anything? That's just a, that's a red herring. That's just saying, if I say I love somebody, then it's my right to love them and my saying so is enough. No, love is an eternal standard. Love is the standard of God himself. For God so loved the world. For God is love. God is a standard. It's not an individual privatized standard. And it for sure doesn't have anything to do with sex. The saying, love is love, patently homosexual saying, is designed to say, with whomever I choose to have sex, that's, that's my business and it's love. Now, God defines what love is. Now, you have the right to choose your own standard, but don't conflate it with God, for it is not. Love as defined by the standard of God is patient, kind, long-suffering, keeps no record of wrongs, hopes, perseveres, and so on, because that's the nature of God. Love as defined by God is not sexual. Sex may be in the appropriate setting a form of the expression of love, but too many cases in which sex and love cannot be conflated. They're not intrinsically the same thing. So, but all these things have their day of reckoning and it's not that time now. And the church that has made its name for opposing these things by all means possible has fallen into the trap of harlotry because you need their venue and their permission, the permission and venues controlled by the people whose mindsets have not been renewed by the Lord, you need their permission and control in their systems. You need to control the juridical system in order to enforce your will on anybody. To do that, you have to become a prostitute. And at that juncture, really what is worse? Being homosexual or being a church, 
that's a prostitute. I don't see the difference because God equally rejects that mindset in whomever. We shouldn't be in this business of condemning people we disagree with. We should be in the business of showing them by the demonstration of the love of God which does not include agreement but does include the modeling of the character of God. Look, it's so much easier to send people to hell if your gospel is related to controlling people than it is to offer them hope, the true hope of God. Now when you offer people hope, they're free to reject you, but their rejection of you shouldn't change who you are because you are the carriers of the presence of God. You are or you are not that which He is. So your entire outlook is unshaken, unmoved, unaltered when He is the one speaking through you, when He is the one who wears you as His his vestments. I perhaps should spend more time laying this out more thoroughly, but in doing so, I am not hoping to avoid the criticism of being homophobic. I'm not hoping to avoid that. Frankly, I don't care if that label is applied to me at all. I mean, for one thing, what does the word homophobic mean? You break it down, one is homo, which means man, the Latin term, and phobia is fear. Fear of man? That's how language has been co-opted. I'm not afraid of any man. I fear God. And the fact that I reject homosexuality as a way of life doesn't mean I fear anybody. I have people who attend many things that I have need for who are practicing homosexuals. And they serve needs that I have for the services uh, of different kinds um, that my natural life and circumstances require. I pay them like everybody else. I appreciate their work like everybody, like anybody else. Some of them do some of the most excellent work for me. So why am I going to be afraid of them? And or why am I going to reject them from my world altogether? I don't. I do not. But, you know, rabid members of this class of folk can't accept that. It has to be that if you don't embrace the behavior and approve of it, then you are homophobic. I ask you to revisit the meaning of the word and determine if you are using a made-up word to begin with and if you are using it accurately. If you mean 
that someone hates homosexuals, then say so. Don't hide behind a term that, that is meaningless in terms of its application. It's time we begin to call out these things because they're the language of this little horn that speaks blasphemously against the Most High. It's time we press back, risking the fact that we are pressing back, not to take back language, language is always evolving, but at least to challenge the misuse of language as part of a greater issue of deception. Because this is a war of words. Words are defining concepts. Require people to speak plainly, and you yourself speak plainly. The judgment of these things is not now. Nor is the judgment of these things undertaken first on the earth. The judgment of these things come at the time of the return of the Lord. First, the judicial courts are set in heaven, not in Washington, D.C., and not in the capitals of nations. Their judgments are meaningless because they lack the authenticity to rule in these matters because they sit at the behest of people, whereas the courts of heaven are arbitrary because the sitting judge is the Almighty God. We can wait for these judgments. This is still the day of salvation. Speak out of patience and kindness and long-suffering, never out of compromise. Do not ever conflate what is wrong by that divine standard with what human standards say. If you do, then you have committed judgment into the hands of humans and you're going to be wrong when the final judgments are rendered. If you hold to what is true, you may do so with an attitude of loving kindness to people. Peradventure, some might be saved out of a wrong mindset which inevitably leads to wrong practice. All of these systems, contrived as they have been, by manipulation and control of public opinion, depending for their support upon the agreements of fellow human beings, all of these systems are what's called the beast. Their judgment is certain, including the things that have been said that deceives nations, deceives individuals. The judge of these things is the living God himself. The court that sits to judge these things will sit in heaven. Once the judgment has been issued, the execution of that judgment, of those judgments, will take place upon the earth. 
where the Lord himself will be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels and with the company of the redeemed clothed in righteous acts. So they have not departed from the truth and the sword with which destruction of these things comes is the eternal standard known as the word of God both that which is true and he who personifies the truth. The Lamb, who now wears the the title King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He does not need a Twitter following in order to have credibility. And he does not need the approval of any human or any group of humans in order to be able to bring judgments. He rules by the authority of God himself, the Almighty, who has committed all judgments in heaven and on earth. All judgments have been committed into his hands. The gospel of our age has to be fleeing from the darkness of the cosmos, seeking refuge in the kingdom of God. Look, if we actually believe these things, and yet for political and social expediency fail to accurately say what is true, then the blood of humanity will be on our heads because the only ones capable of speaking the truth today in the world are the sons of God, members of the body of Christ, followers of the Lamb. To expect the compromised and deceived world to be the source of truth is really to not believe the truth itself. We don't know how people are going to view us on account of what we say. And we don't know who will target us and for what purpose, what nefarious purposes. If we follow the Lamb, if we are members of the body of Christ, if we are the sons of God, the evidence of that is that we are the light of the world. And we have no choice but to speak and to speak plainly. The unfortunate truth is that the world has been speaking and that blasphemous things. And the prostitute church has been speaking out of a position of self-interest. We know the end of both the prostitute church and the beast, together with the mouth that speaks blasphemously, the Antichrist. We know their end. These are the closing days of human history. These are the days prior to the return of the Lord. 
the conflict, this inevitable conflict of words and ideas and some, some effect of hardship upon the saints requiring patient endurance and suffering, being excluded, being marginalized, being lied about, being thought of in horrific ways, dehumanized even, all of that will come. We should rejoice that we are given the privilege of bearing his reproach. Let us not do that by foolish activities that he never authorized. Let the wicked be wicked still. Let the righteous be righteous still. And let he who draws all men to himself draw from among the multitudes of people, many of whom are in darkness now and deceived, let him draw out from that multitude a remnant who still has a heart for him. Our job is to carry his presence like a city upon a hill. His job is to draw all men unto himself. I am Sam Solon and we'll continue about regarding the events that conclude the age. I'll see you then. Bye now.